I think it's only fair that we get into the world of football with two lads that know quite a lot about their respective clubs. Uh, Neil from the Anfield Rap is here, Liverpool fan, he's absolutely buzzing. I think he's nursing a hangover from yesterday, but we will get to that in a minute. Uh, and Dave from the Blue Room, who um, is a little bit more solemn, but that doesn't really bode anything because Dave's always solemn <laughs> when it comes to uh, talking about his beloved Everton. But I'm also nursing a hangover as well, Adam, to be I, honest with you, but for, for not the same reason. Totally different reasons. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll start with Everton, shall we? Um, obviously, I've only seen the match of the day, right? Mm. So, therefore, they can make things look a little bit better um, than they actually are. I saw two positives in the in the Everton game. First of all, he's it's bold, so, yeah. Sonny. He's bold. I'm going in, all right? <laughs> First of all, fantastic strike from Barkley. Which took a deflection. All right, there you go. Second one. They all count, Dave. Second one. Tim Howard dived the right way for the second goal. Uh, right. he, he went towards the ball. Uh, you've fallen into you've <laughs> fallen into a massive trap here, you know. Really because uh, do you know what? I was planning on not speaking about this man because I had a bit of fun with this on on social media last night. If anyone knows. Um, and you, uh, I can't believe you've fallen into the trap, mate, because I've got a photo to show you. I'll show you in the break okay. about Tim Howard and his second attempt at trying to save uh, Watford's uh, second goal. And it was an absolute disgrace. He's standing, he might as well be having a cigar on his near post <laughs> because he, he just basically says to the lad, there you go. Have a day. There's, there's well, best part of 12 yards. Slot it there. Slot to, be, it to be fair, he, did, fella... he didn't put it in the corner, did no, he? No, it was right near down the middle. Cent- yeah, it was near yeah. enough centrally, yeah. Yeah. The disgusting goalkeeping, but that that's not even half the problem. I, I I wrote something today that didn't even include Tim Howard, because uh, and and you say that you you've only watched the match of the day highlights. You could probably quite comfortably, if you've got any old recordings left on your on your Sky Planner, go back and look at any game that Everton lost last season. Play that one, and and that's pretty much it, mate. That'll give you the idea of what we what we did against Watford. The fact that we got a two two draw out of it is. Uh, Probably a slight on Watford, I'd go, because I, I thought they were pretty decent throughout the game. Is I don't it, know if you've seen most of it, Neil. Is this, is this about the nature of it? Because this is the key thing. I think people <coughs> want to, you either want, you want one or two things from your football team. You either want to see them do something, be, be about something, or you want to see them win. And ideally, you want both of those things, and you mm. get both of those things. This is about the nature of it, because this is where you know, I've seen so. lots, of, lots of Evertonian uh, rancour over the, 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 the inclusion of, 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 Bark, of Barry specifically and what Barry was being asked to do against Watford. The, the, the thing that got me down most overwhelmingly was Martinez looked like he didn't want to lose a game at home against a newly promoted side yeah. with 10 brand new players I don't know if you feel all, fielded all of them but I couldn't tell you the names of at least half a dozen of them um, opening day of the Premier League season ahead of a torrid run of fixtures which we'll probably get into in a bit and he decides to play two defensive midfielders I think that's absolutely criminal it really is now if I can see past that when, I, when I've looked at the lineup and I've seen the same lineup that I've probably played so many times last season, if I look past that to see, yeah, Gareth Barry's playing, maybe James McCarthy's playing in a slightly more advanced role, maybe Ross Barkley's got a little bit more of the freedom and that sort of nonchalance you want to see in a position that he's in, you know, where, where he can go and do what he wants and express himself. There was none of that. It was rigid it, and it was boring. It really was boring From watching watching Everton trying to break down a side that didn't always put 10 men behind the ball either. I don't think Watford were particularly defensive for a lot of the game. It wasn't your stereotypical, let's go to Goodison, you know, park the bus and get a point out of this. It wasn't that. Watford had the chances in the game and I thought they were the better side, I have to say. And uh, it was very, very concerning and Martinez really needs to learn well he's proved in, in a game that he hasn't learned any lessons from last season and he needs to start figuring out quickly how to get the best out of this lineup. You mentioned on this show last week uh, the left side 
um, mm. how uh, you were going to set up on the left side. Obviously, before that game, you found out that uh, Baines is out for uh, three months. <laughs> yeah, just adds to it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. What do we do now on that left-hand side? Is uh, is uh, the young lad the, the, the answer in, the, in that particular situation? Do, I, I think he's the, he's the type. He looks to me, I mean, we, we got him from MK Dons, uh, I think it was about 18 months ago. And he does look a prospect, this lad. Um, whether he's sort of primed to be included in the side, as it is with the angst amongst the fans as well, because, I mean, it was a volatile atmosphere at Goodison on Saturday. We've been ripped, we've been done to the nines in the local media and, and all over Twitter about the, the crowd booing our own players on the opening day at half-time and things like that. That will not help his cause. I thought he looked competent. Um, for the goal itself, uh, I think he gets done by Anya on the, on the, uh, on the overlap. Um, and that was just the sort of naivety you see from you know teenagers yeah, making, making their home. I think it was his home debut in the Premier League. Um, by and large, I think he will be a good player. He's just going to be solid, though, isn't he? But it says a lot about Oviedo, Neil, for me, because I mean he's had horrendous injuries. Just to just to sorry skip ahead a little bit, but I, I'd like to have seen him start left back as as you know as the go-to person with Baines's absence. But he's obviously shown faith in this kid. My my frustration, sort of from from an Everton point of view, would be. To go back to this, uh, solid's fine. Solid and centre midfield's fine. Two defensive midfielders at home. I haven't really got a problem with. It's what you're solid for, because you're then solid for this base and watching Everton. You know, I, if he plays all of his flying footballers, mm. puts Barkley in the middle of the pitch, says, "Go on, Ross, enjoy yourself." Puts Lukaku and then two of the, you know, say, say Delafeu and Morales. That makes sense. I don't want to get into this realm of laughing at Tom Cleverley because I think he's a good footballer. Mm. But you don't have a base of two holding midfielders yeah. to tell, say to Tom Cleverley, "You go and play and express yourself, Tom." He, he's the solid. Base. Yeah. That's what he wants to be. And again, you can have solid, solid lads at fullback if mm. you're giving everyone else the license. And I think what's driving Evertonians to distraction is that you've got this solid base for nothing. You know what? What, what, what actual benefit yeah. have we got? Who are we liberating to go and play great attacking football because we're playing six? You know, who's our front foot? Who's the four? We give the six, give the support yeah. and the structure to. Who's this four? And how are they? How are they? Mm. Are they brilliant. And this is where, as I say, you've got cleverly in there. Morales can't get himself going. Barkley's not a wide player and just wants to drift in and come and mm. get involved anyway. And suddenly there's like oceans of space between every other footballer from what I saw and Lukaku yeah. I mean I thought Ben Teke was isolated for Liverpool yesterday this is nothing in comparison to Lukaku Lukaku always needs a passport to go meet his teammates no, he's that isolated at I times I think he was sitting off on your new stand at some point watching the game <laughs> from up high it's a cracking view from up there, I think, as you can see it from Goodison. <laughs> Just to rub it in our faces a bit more, like. Well, that's what like is. Uh, yeah. But you know, this is the this is, and that's the crazy thing is that you you've you've got Lukaku, you've got him that Lukaku's good for you. He's twenty eight million pounds last summer. He's a really good footballer. Just get some lads around him, mm. and then that's the thing that Kone is a limited footballer. He's a frustrating footballer, yeah. but it changes when Kone yeah. comes on because he gets he's literally stood next to him. Yeah. It helps. You made this point last week on the show, didn't you? Yeah. When, when you when you've seen those the, the two play together. All right, mm. Kone's not the greatest player in the world. World, but he makes Lukaku a better player when he's on the pitch. Yeah, and you've seen that with the goal as well. I mean, you look, Lukaku had his back to goal, which, you know, he's probably going to anyway if he's playing in a one on his own. But the fact that somebody ran past him yeah. told you everything that needed to be told about that game. I think we'd have one shot on target other than Barkley's goal up until that point. Lukaku runs past, uh, Kone runs past him and you know, lo and behold, you're going to get a goal from it. It's not rocket science. I'd like to see us get back to some basic structure. Um, and by structure, I don't mean it in the you know the, the regular sense of the word. I mean structure as in keeping it simple. You know, passing for passing its sake again. Everything goes square. There's no forward passing. The thing about Cleverly, which I actually quite felt sorry for him, Neil, because in pre-season he's been he's been the one who's looked to get on the ball and look for the forward pass. The fact he was, he had to be all over the, the the park with them two sitting deep. 
he, he was he was everywhere, and I don't mean that in a good way. He was he was he looked lost at yeah. certain points in the game, and when he was receiving the ball, there was a couple of times when he received it in in the channels, and he'd lay it back off. He, he did a, a really good job. He laid it off to the, uh, Barkley in the first half for a great shot. The, the keeper tipped over the bar. And I thought this could be a role for him. He, but he was doing what I thought Barkley would do. Mm. And it's just these square pegs yeah. and round holes all the time. But you've got the players to be able to do it. It must be extremely frustrating. But like you say, square pegs and round holes. But you've got the right pegs to put in those holes. Well, well the manager is barking on about getting these three lads in. A centre-half, obviously, is, is required. Another striker, obviously. But he bangs on about this number 10 position. I don't think that would be an issue if he actually played somebody there who could be a number 10. Barkley could do it. Do you know what I mean? Just just give him a little bit more freedom in a number ten role. Doesn't have to be a disciplined number ten, in in the conventional sense. Yeah. Um. You know you've got Naismith there who, by and large, is is, is well out of favour. He come on and did a little bit. You know you you've got these types of players. Dale of Morales. You know we've banged on about this where Morales could play nearly. He's a versatile footballer. He was a one and two striker when he was at Olympiacos. Yeah. You get the impression they're going to be better off if 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 they've got the money to buy. We'll keep goalkeeper to one side. If they've got the money to buy a number ten striker, they'd be probably probably better off getting the best possible striker they yeah. could for those two two amounts of money. Because then you can play those mm. two up front, Lukaku plus whoever. Who's your best player, Lukaku? Who's your second best player, Barkley? Who's your third best player, McCarthy? Get these lads playing. That's that's mm. the strange thing. How do we make Lukaku be worth twenty yeah, million? Exactly, yeah. What do we do to make him worth that money that we paid for him? How do we get the best out of Barkley? Just keep answering these questions. Mm. And if Everton did play, you talked about it last week, Dave, and I was thinking about it. If they got another striker who was a very very good forwards, a bit different to Lukaku, say, but 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 very very good. And they were able to play those two up front, and then what a Barkley and Morales in behind in a diamond, and then you've got McCarthy and you've yeah. got Cleverly and you've got Osman and you've got Barry and you've got you know you've got these other lads mm -hmm. who can come and then sit in and fill in these three spaces behind and always have McCarthy on the pitch. Just get your good players yeah. playing well, and then the, then your back four can just be a back four. Etienne Capou played for Watford, and I I, I rate him. Um, he's tidy, yeah. Yeah, he's a, I think he's really really neat and tidy player. And he must have been laughing at, well, not laughing at socks, he must have been rubbing his hands together when he seen how Everton started the first 10 to 15 minutes. Because he had, he had Was nothing. Was he in oceans? He had nothing going past him at all. Right. He had everything laid out in front of him and yeah. he, he had his slippers on, knocking it left and right. And there was nobody pressing him that for the reason of Cleverly's all over the show. The other two were just sitting back anyway. I thought McCarthy would kick on this season. Obviously, we've only had one game, so it remains to be seen. But I thought he'd kick on. He scored a couple of goals towards the end of last season. I'm not sort of touting him for being an attacking midfielder. But how Henderson sort of developed at Liverpool, where mm. you could see him making forwards runs, going beyond the striker. I'd love to see him giving that little bit of freedom. Using their energy the final third. Well, it's a great irony with Gareth Barry, because Gareth Barry is obviously put in as a, the, obviously the base of this uh, defensive midfield duo. But... He doesn't quite trust that he's got the legs anymore, so he has to keep McCarthy beside him, but he's trusts him enough to start him every week. I don't really get that. I don't get where that works. Did uh, Stones look like a man that had, had his <sighs> head turned from uh, all the recent publicity or not? I, I don't think he's that uh, of, of that way out. Um, but That's refreshing that, though, isn't it? That being said, I don't think he had his greatest day. I mean, you look at the uh, the second goal. I mean, the, the, the lads, I forgot the name of the lads who scored for Watford. The second goal? Absolutely sold. Him and Jagger twice. He's, he, he's dummies to shoot. They both he does dive in. in on the first one, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and and I thought Jagger was the worst of the two because the, the first goal, I think he, he just throws his chest at it, ends up lands at um, 
the lads' feet and he, he, he volleys it in decent finish. So I think this is I think this is I don't want to, I don't want to talk about the atmosphere really because it feels like a Liverpool supporter talking about the atmosphere. And it's something Evertonians need to talk about amongst themselves. But I do wonder whether or not this is something where footballers begin to get anxious and they begin to sort of make the wrong. You know, if you feel as though the atmosphere yeah. is not it's not a good day, you feel as though the crowds aren't having a good day. I do sometimes think that that's when I've seen footballers at Anfield begin to be rash, you begin to be anxious, you begin yeah. to think, I've got to do something here. Yeah. These, these aren't you force happy. it, you yeah, force it. You're yeah. forcing everything. Yeah. And I think, that was, I think that there's elements of that there with the with, with Jagielka there, where a lad who I think you know, is a really good centre-back, Jagielka, he's another mm. very good player that I haven't got through the spine of that side. But he, you know, he's captain, he's probably, you know, he, he must be on pins to a certain extent, yeah. he's, he's, he must be anxious, and, and I think it was coming through in performance. No, I think that's fair comments, and I think you can see it, that that sort of point is epitomised when you look at Ross Barkley, the reaction of him, when he does everything that everyone wants him to try and do, in terms of trying to skin a player, get a shot off, play a decent through ball, you know, get on the assists, get goals like he did. When he takes a little bit too much time with that, and when you can see him still them making them errors that he's still inevitably going to have in him at this stage. The first thing is, oh, everyone's up in arms and it puts pressure right on his shoulders and he really suffers from that. We've spoke about it before, Neil. I think he's, he's a bit more tender than, you, you know, your stereotypical scouts lad who's got an... I really do. I think he, he is sort of... needs a bit of an arm around the shoulder at times, Ross Barkley. And uh, you notice that... The, the, the thing... The, the, the crowd thing's a really interesting issue because... Um, you know, it's, it's been a hot topic of discussion since Saturday how, like, I, I can't fathom why anybody would want to boo or do anything that's detrimental to the team's chances. And it is, let, let's face it, it is. A crowd does everything, you know. That's why away games are so hard to win because of the crowd, uh, predominantly. And uh, I, I think that Everton fans are quite rightly discontented at the minute for a, for a whole host of reasons. You know, you, you didn't have to put EFC in on your Twitter account there, Adam, and you'd see a million different people talking about a million different things that they're not happy with. Where you don't want to see that transform is when the support in the, stands, the team. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't want to be self-righteous, but I mean, I'll, I'll be. You, you'll hear me moaning for ninety-nine percent of the season, <laughs> no, ma- no matter if we go unbeaten for the rest but of it. Ninety I'll find, minutes. I'll find something to moan at, but I won't go to Goodison and start booing players. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you've seen my thoughts on Tim Howard that everyone has a laugh and a joke about. Yeah, I can't stand Tim Howard the footballer, but I'd still cheer him when his name gets announced. I still want him to do well. Yeah, of course. Um, and, and I think a lot of people are sort of find it difficult to, to differentiate between that at the moment. There'll be more on this throughout the course of. Uh our chat over the next hour or so. Make sure you keep it on City Talk. This is Adam Catterall on City Talk. 26 minutes past 5 o'clock. It is Monday, 10th of August. Hope you're well. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, we will obviously speak more about Everton very shortly uh, because um, uh, obviously Dave wants to do that. We've got to get it all off your chest, pal. We want you feeling good for the Blue Room tomorrow. We always said this show was um, get it off of your chest. an hour of counselling. <laughs> yeah, really. um, I suppose, um, totally contrary to how, how you're feeling, mm. uh, Neil, you're feeling a little bit different. Um, yesterday, obviously, going away to Stoke, no mean feat, getting themselves a 1-0 victory. Uh, they say in years gone by, if you're going to win the league, you've got to go to places like Stoke, grind it out, not necessarily play the greatest football, but grind it out and get yourself a win. That's what we did. Uh, Liverpool... Uh the back seven for Liverpool, I think, were very impressive. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of mutual, a lot of mutual uh, respect, trust, reliability. Yeah. Everyone, you got the impression. Everyone knew what the job was. Everyone knew that the the, the player to the left of them, the player behind them, was going to do the job. Yeah. 
back in the last season, anxiety everywhere all the time. You know, can you trust this fella? A lot of people trying to do trying to do cover that doesn't yeah. need to be done. Loads and loads of trust there. I felt from Liverpool, and I think it was it, it was refreshing to see. And also there was you know we committed nineteen fouls. That's the first half against United last season uh, when they went one 0 up and with the better side against us, we committed four. Yeah, you know Liverpool were, and that's against United. You'd expect it to be more blood and thunder uh, in, in, in that sort of sort of semi derby environment. Liverpool were putting themselves about and they were making clear they weren't going to be bullied. Uh, more yellow cards than we've had recently. There was an aggression and a steal there, and there was a the idea is we're not going to lose. And it's quite clear the manager sent them out even with quite an attacking side, quite an attacking midfield three yeah. there. He sent them out just you get to sixty and it's nil nil, and you keep working, you keep fighting, you get something will come. And this is where. Fundamentally, this is why you talk about quality players. If you've got quality players, you know, Benteke, Firmino, uh, Coutinho, Sturridge when he comes back, if you've got genuine quality players who can provide something in the final third, a bit of magic, more often than not, one will come up with it because that's what that's the point of them. That's why they're better than Stokes players. You've got a player here who's capable of doing something, which a lot of the Stoke players aren't or aren't as often as he is. That's why you pay the money. That's what they're worth. That's what they do. And then you get one goal. And that that's part of when, when people have... I've talked a lot about... Liverpool having goals on the pitch. This is part of what I mean by goals on the pitch. It allows you the possibility of just keeping it tight, knowing one of our big players will probably do something great once. And if you do something great once, you've got you've got the, the and the, you know if that happens earlier in the game, then it opens the game up more, and then you can hit them on the break. Yeah, absolutely. so that was when it happens. You got the you know you. As soon as it hits the back of the net, it settles the issue, and that was also fabulous. You just, uh, even though they did actually have a chance, you just thought we've done enough. We've yeah. done, got enough here, and and yeah, can be really optimistic. Not least because you know Dave's looking; he's worried about the fixture list and all this sort of mm. stuff. We've got these this run of tough aways, but you know we've got this first batch of four games: Bournemouth at home, West Ham at home, Arsenal away. We beat Bournemouth, then we go to Arsenal. If we can go to Arsenal with six in the bank, momentum, aren't you? But you can also relax a little bit. It doesn't. If you don't beat Stoke, you're looking at the Arsenal game already, thinking, well, if we don't win here, we're on four from nine. Mm. You begin to get concerned. Whereas you can now look possibly at the Arsenal game and say. Go and have a book of boys. Mm, go, and, yeah. go and express yourselves. Play your football. If you get something great, but obviously you've still got to beat Bournemouth to do that. But I watched Bournemouth over the weekend and I think this Liverpool side should be able to get at them. Mm. Yeah. One thing uh, I want to pick you up on that you mentioned on the show last week uh, that you were concerned about mm. was obviously the front three and whether they stay as a front three. Yesterday yeah. they didn't look like they did that. Did that disappoint you? Uh, yes, uh, yes, it did to a certain extent. I think Liverpool did not get close enough to Benteke. Uh, there was a lot of playing the ball long to Benteke. There was a lot of playing into Benteke, which I was fine with but then you've got to get near them and then you've got to have this front three they've got to if you're going to play a front three you've got to be able to get return from them and this is when I'm talking about having your, your very very good players you've got to be able to expect that you're going to get numbers you're going to get the hard fact of goals and assists and with Ibe and with Lalana, there's still you know Lalana to me feels like he's 10 and 10 tops. You know, Ibe's a little different. He's got a ceiling that he can grow into. You'd expect him to set more up. But you could see Stoke were able to stop Ibe. They, they were clearly trying to crowd him out. They had a plan for him. And Lana was sort of stopping himself to a certain extent. He's cut him <laughs> deep. I think... Stoke was this one-off challenge though and I think you can't get carried away with it we we had this Stoke problem yeah. they beat a 6-1 mm. it's a tough place to go it's the first game of the season so on and so forth all these th- factors are in play so Stoke's a little bit of a one-off and if you do you do drop deep and you do st- begin to be a bit solid and you're worrying about that a bit more then that's absolutely fine there's also bedding the players in Firmino isn't quite ready yet but he's played in a practice game today and scored three mm-hmm. so you know maybe now Firmino comes in for Bournemouth and you just begin to mould that side storage hopefully back uh, mid-September you begin to mould 
mould this side, but it can't be four one four one week in week out because I, I mean four one four one's got problems anyway. Yeah, but you know you, you you don't feel you often don't feel as though you're given enough cover to your defensive midfield. Though that wasn't Liverpool's problem, but you you you, you often leave you often leave the two ones just too isolated. Absolutely, Benteke was far too isolated. Do you know what you're talking about? Benteke's versatility in a lot of ways, and you know he gets stereotyped as a big man, and you need to put crosses into him. Uh, and the funny thing I was saying last week was how good he is on the floor, and he's mm. a quick lad. He, he's really, he's rapid. He really is when you, when you see him turn, and how good he will be on the counter attack. How funny is it, Neil? Now, I'd say funny, probably not the right word. Sort of, you know, it, it's a burden off a lot of shoulders having that outlet. Oh, hugely. Good Do you know goal, what I mean? Because people loved it. Well, I was going to say last season you'd find Liverpool trying to pass the way out of a back four, and they never had the players to to be able to to pull that sort of thing off. It go back to Mignolet. Yeah, he's not the greatest distributor of the ball. You had Skirtle trying to pass it out from the back, but. You know, the simplicity in having an absolute beast up there who you can just knock it to, he'll chest it down for fun, he'll head it for fun. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's the issue with getting people around him after that. that. That's what needs to be learned. But having that as an outlet, I mean, it, it reminds me, obviously, obviously when we've had Ferguson in the past, yeah. when you've got actual target men, they're more than useful can do when the you're under pressure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, particularly against a side like Stoke. Hugely, but I think there's a massive, there's a misconception about what we did well 13 14. There's a misconception in general about Luis Suarez. Luis Suarez is six foot tall, Daniel Sturridge is six foot one. We were pretty direct at times 13 14. Mm. We were comfortable with the idea that sometimes it's just going to go. We're just going to send it long. And and one of these two lads, because they're really, really good, could make something out of it. But if not, anyway, it gets everyone up the pitch, so on and so forth. At no point last season did we really have that satisfactorily, mm. or not in a manner that was, you know, we were producing anything with it, even and especially when you know when, when we played a lot of our best stuff with Sterling as a number nine. But you can't do that with Sterling. You can't think let's, it just goes. And you could see that it's 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 a weight off. It's an option. Yeah. You know it's 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 not it's, it's perfectly valid to think it's just going to go here, and then we're going to get up the pitch, and then we're going to all work again, and, and we build again from this point. And I think that, as I say, this is something which we used to do with Suarez. It's something that we've done with Sturridge. And I think if if you have, you know, when when we hopefully come to mid September and you've got conceivably Benteke with Sturridge and Firmino who will instinctively want to get close to Benteke yeah. they were much more attacking footballers then I think there's real opportunity there that Liverpool can they can counter with numbers they can counter with pace they can be direct and they've got the solid base behind because the thing about Henderson and Milner mm. it was a really disappointing they weren't good <coughs> you know, they didn't do good football but they were intelligent they were yeah. strong when they won the battles and have you seen the size of Milner's forearms <laughs> they're absolutely insane <laughs> I was, I was, do you know what it's like Popeye it's like Popeye it's like Popeye I was like, he, he, he is a bulldog, isn't he? He's I mean, he's, huge. the fact he's so compact makes yeah. him look small, but he's absolutely ripped. He's an animal. He? He absolutely is. animal. And it was interesting, I thought, Neil, in the first half, particularly how deep Henderson was collecting the ball off the back four. He, he's obviously been charged with that. Not obviously, people will throw it that it's going to be a, a Gerard sort of role. It wasn't, but seeing him deeper and Milner, the one who, who was pushing forward, trying to get into support of Benteke, they can interchange that, can't they? Yeah. And they can, what they can also do as well, a lot of this, I thought we played a slightly higher line than I thought we would, and I think we can go higher again. It'll be interesting if he keeps the same back four against Bournemouth, because they should come higher again, hopefully. Mm. Uh, and then what that means is that Henderson is able to get it and shuttle it round in quite a in quite a tight little area. That helps him. It helps Milner. It releases Milner. I thought it was interesting. I was the game wore on, and we made the changes we made. Milner found himself a bit more sort of coming out to the right, because there was little bits of space for him to use, and that he could trust then. He's got not just Henderson behind him, but Henderson and Chan. We... We were, it was a 
bad game of football, and I think this is one of the reasons why everyone's head's gone a bit on it, is because it was just a bad game. It just wasn't a nice game of football, but then it was never going to be. It's the first game of the season. Mm. You can see the results that other sides have had over the weekend. Yeah. So that's why it's, you know, it's tough. All the tough places to go, cliches, or they come out. But I think the other thing is, though, Liverpool were turning the screw. I felt from 70 sitting there, uh, well, standing there, watching watching the game, I thought, if there's going to be a goal here, it's going to be a Liverpool goal. And th- from 70 onwards, I thought, just looking a bit more likely for me, you know, look bright. He was offering more than I've been offering. Suddenly Milner's a little bit more involved. Henderson actually gets in at the back, doesn't he? Has that chest opportunity where he tries to find Benteke, where maybe he should just get out from under his feet and power it in himself. But you just thought, it's gonna, if it's if coming for anywhere, it's just going to come for us. And I think that that, again, if you're looking for positives, and of course we are, if you look at that's something which I think has been lacking a lot, that's like the aggression, lacking occasionally in Brendan Rodgers' sides is the ability to turn the screw. Liverpool could do that, and as long as they can keep doing that through the season, these away games they've got coming up, they could do quite well. City Talk 105.9 uh, Just gone quarter to six on your Monday night. Uh, Neil from the Anfield Rap is with me, as is Dev uh, from the Blue Room. We have just been talking about Liverpool. Uh, a couple more questions uh, for you, Neil. Go on. Um, how big of a season is this for Adam Lallana? Because t- the amount of times that I watch him, and he gets hooked, irrelevant of how he's playing, he seems to always get hooked. He's always like 70 minutes, he's off. Yeah, he's got this, the same thing happened to him when he's at Southampton. He's not, he may not be a footballer who's got 90 minutes in his legs. I do think this is a sports science thing. Um, he's he's quite, I, th- I think he can give you 70 and then that's that. I were, he, were you surprised that he started yesterday? No, I wasn't surprised, but I'd be surprised if he starts away at United, uh, which is our first game in September after that international break. I'll be surprised if he starts that one. I think... The manager's got. Does the, it's funny this season because you've got this bank of four games and all these other signings, and Liverpool's players have all come back at different times and everyone's at different fitness levels. But he's had Lalana all the way through the pre season. Mm. And he said he was going to go with the lads he's used earlier in, in pre season who've had longer to work So for this for this game against Stoke. So I wasn't surprised he started this one, but I would be surprised if certainly he's starting games in October unless he's, he's caught fire. And I don't quite see how he does. For me, he's a midfielder, not a forward. Yeah. And he's been asked to, to, to do forward things at the moment. I think it is a big season for him. I still don't really know what his best position is in this Liverpool team yeah, and that's same. you know that's it's, he's had 12 months now so yeah I think it's a huge season for him I think he's got a he's got to do he's, he's, as I say he's clearly a really good footballer I don't think his talent's in doubt I think I'd like to see him try more things I think he's almost too sensible for his own good mm. um, for, uh, we were having a conversation before the match actually uh, on yesterday where I was saying he's a better player than Luis Garcia but Luis Garcia had more outcome. Luis Garcia had spent 90 minutes trying to make something happen. You know, he'd just try and make something happen. He'd gamble. He'd make a back post run. He'd follow in. He'd do all the things that, you you know, you've got to sort of do as a footballer. He'd also have some games where he'd stink the place out and play three out of ten and do everyone's head in. Mm. And you'd be saying, Luis, just calm down, just calm down. But he would then, you know, score huge goals in huge games. Lallana's almost the the opposite of this in that, he, you know, he's, he's clearly got lovely touch, but he's not he's not spending all game trying to feed someone. He's not trying to do the mm. unlikely or the ridiculous. He's much more likely, you know, if the ball pops up for a volley 25 yards from goal, he's more likely to go and find someone in the best position and knock it off to him. Whereas, you know, sometimes I think football, you've got to make something happen. Yeah, absolutely. One man that is making things happen, and uh, I spoke to Steve Hollisall about this last week, that Liverpool at this moment in time don't have that cult figure, they don't have that hero, they've had the Suarez, they've had Gerard, obviously in the past, Dalglish and people like that. Is Coutinho the next one? Uh, he is, but I think what's... 
Well, we'll do the two parts. I disagree with Steve on that really because I think Liverpool have got the best centre forward in the league. He's just not fit, and I think you know I think that Liverpool's Liverpool have got I think the best number nine in English football. But is uh, he a cult hero on the levels of a Gerard and a Suarez? No, but he, he could become that. The reason why he wasn't when he, he had his excellent season 13-14 and scores a crazy number of goals is because Suarez is playing and Gerard's playing, and it's you know crowds have only got so much room for so many of these sorts of players. Yeah. Whereas I think that this season could well be the season where everyone's talking about Coutinho and Sturridge, and it'll be the pair of them. I think Coutinho was my. I mean, he's you know he's capable of doing that now, that twenty-five yarder. Um, but again, he's he's one who needs to be in the best areas to get the best out of him on the pitch. And I think as the season wears on, you might see him a little bit deeper, and then it might be a case of. You know, if you need something in a game, if you need someone to pull you out, I think Coutinho's got that in him. I think he's got this idea of this sort of five ten minutes, which is the thing that Gerard had, yeah. where he could just have five or ten minutes where he could really turn a game in Liverpool's favour. And I think Coutinho's got that, and I think that's quite a rare thing in football. For instance, Xabi Alonso, who you know was arguably a better deep line central midfielder than Steven Gerrard, he, he would have. I used to say, you know, Xabi Alonso's got seventy minutes of the football match, but Gerrard's going to have twenty, and that twenty is the difference. And yeah. I think I think Coutinho is one of these players who's got that ten minutes, 20 minutes in and that bit of the unlikely that five minutes of forcing it and making it happen for Liverpool and so I think that it, could, it could be a huge season for him. With that in mind does that worry you then that the boss had said that he was going to pull him just before uh, he, no, he, he banged him in the top corner? No, I think again Coutinho I thought he became more and more of a 90 minute player last season but he's just come back he's, he's not had anywhere near as much pre-season as a lot of the rest of the lads. I think it's actually a massive vote of confidence that he got 85 minutes to be honest I thought, and, and I, literally as he picks the ball up and turns the lad, I say to the person I'm next to, I'd hook Coutinho here. I literally <laughs> said I would hook Coutinho here. So it'd be complete hypocrisy for me to say, oh, you know, I'm worried by that. Because he, he couldn't get himself in the game at all. And he actually almost seemed, I thought, a little embarrassed by the fact that he's done this remarkable thing off the back of the fact that he's had not no real say in the football match up to that point. But yeah, it was... It, it, I think it's a huge... Firmino's come, come through in the same cycle as Coutinho. They've both been at the Copa in America. They've both been with Brazil. Um... Coutinho starts for me, no, doesn't. It's quite clear that you know how, how important he is to the manager. He's only played one preseason friendly yeah. of all of them, so he's gone. So that the managers by picking him, the managers making it clear you're in my first eleven. I know the boys at the top end of the pitch are going to get all the plaudits and obviously get to do all the magical things. But how impressed were you with the young lad that played at left back? Lovely. Fo- uh, thought he struggled a little bit to start with, but he's clearly a lovely footballer. And I thought he also learned. I, I had today's Liverpool's fifth youngest ever starter wow. of, a, of a game. Uh, Seventeen. Which, which is, he's eight, just just turned just 18. eighteen. Eighteen. And you know, I think he's he's got everything. I mean, he's he, he, the main. I thought. Well, were you were you surprised that he played at left back? That he that he's starting in well, that position? I am. If you'd have asked me three, uh, four, or five weeks ago yeah. from this point, yes, obviously because he starts the Helsinki game at left back, yeah. and the manager comes out and makes it quite clear he's gonna he's gonna see him through. I thought in the Helsinki game, I thought he had a dodgy first half an hour, and then was fine. I thought the same against Stoke. I thought he had a dodgy sort of 30 minutes there. Walters is a horrible player to play against. You know, he's <laughs> horrific. Uh, he is the essence of agricultural. He may as well carry a scythe when he comes onto the pitch. But you've got to learn from that. And, and, and Gomez does, and he grows. And I, th- I think that's the most pleasing thing about him. He, he, doesn't come, he comes across like he's obviously exceptionally gifted. But I think like in the Helsinki game, the fact that he's had minor adversity but improved as the game wears on and learnt as the game's gone. I think that's probably the most impressive thing about him so far. You know, it, it's all been pretty easy for him up to this, this point, but these last two games, he's been exposed a little bit and he's he's dealt with it. Uh, you know, he, he's been targeted a little bit and he's he, he's overcome it. And I think that's what, that, that, that for me is what makes you think, yeah, this lad really, really could have something. Uh, the, the key question I wonder is, does he get to play centre-half this well, season? Well, I was just about to ask you that. Does he get to play centre-half, in your opinion, at some point this season? 
amazing. I would already. I mean, it's funny because the manager's saying he wants to do the two different squads things for the Europa League and for the League Cup, uh, which I'm sort of I'm, 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 I'm behind, to be honest. But I wouldn't mind seeing him maybe get maybe break that rule for Gomez and see if he can use him in a in a, in a home Europa League or League Cup game. Uh, I wouldn't be necessarily wanting to use him away from home because of recovery time and travel time and all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. But if you're still trying to play him at left back, but I think there's a strong argument to try to get the lad in playing say next to Mamadou Sakho yeah. in one of these games and just have a little look and be because if he if he continues to grow at this rate and listen he's going to have a setback. All young players do, you know. Raheem Sterling went through an astonishing trajectory at Liverpool, but even here, peaks and troughs. So he's going to have a setback. But if he continues on this approximate trajectory that he's on, the sooner he's playing centre back for Liverpool, I think the you know the the more excited you can be. And what does that mean with him being obviously Brendan's first choice left back at this moment in time for Moreno and Enrique? Well, Enrique's gone, um, you know, and, and with that, there's a sudden lack of social media game for Liverpool. But I'm sure they'll find other ways to make up for it. Uh, but You've got wakeboarding. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, that's what he's been doing, isn't he? I tell you what, that dog overexposed. Um, <laughs> we had is. the same with Apostle Osvelios, <laughs> the king of the selfie. Honestly, he's the best PR social media thing ever, and he stayed there ever about two years because of it. <laughs> I think I probably, I've probably seen more photographs of Enrique in his underpants than practically any other man alive. Yeah. I think it's a crazy, crazy fact. <laughs> uh, but there is, I think he is. I, I think Moreno. I think he just needs to again. The League Cup games, the Europa League games that are coming, get in those, get in, get playing in that in that side, play well, just keep playing well. There's going to be injuries as the season wears on. Did he minute. get carried away with obviously he, he, he burst onto the scene? He did brilliantly at Spurs, didn't he last yeah. se- last season? And he was fantastic. Did he get carried away with that a little bit? Sort of, of but season? I think I think he's also he's 21 again. He's raw, uh, yeah. you know, and I think that you you brought him in knowing that he's raw, but that he's got incredible pace, that he's got a decent enough touch, that he's you know he, he, he was impressing where he was at Sevilla. So I think you've just got to have this sort of well. Uh, give him a, give him the opportunity. Uh, Liverpool's captain at the weekend was Jordan Henderson. Uh, three seasons ago, Jordan Henderson was uh, on his way to Fulham. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what gets him back in the reckoning is uh, some Europa League games, some League Cup performances, and then the manager begins to to throw him into a league game. And there's an injury here; he gets pushed in, and now he's where he is. And uh, you know the ages are about the same. I'm not saying for a second that Moreno's going to go again on that sort of curve, on that sort of journey, but. It's a long, long season for Liverpool. We get hung up on first 11s. Certainly at this stage of the season, we, you know, we can conceivably play 60 games. Um, you know, if we go all the way in both in, in both cups, uh, even just at the, before you even deal with the FA Cup, we can play 60 games quite comfortably. Mm. And I think that you know the the Europa League game is ha- the Europa League is half a season effectively in its own right. It's f- I think if you go all the way to 15 games, you, you know that's that, that it's 38 league games. So you know it is effectively half a league season yeah. in its own right. There's going to be loads of opportunities for lads like Moreno knocking round. But what I think is really important is that the opportunities they go to lads like Moreno and they don't go to Mario Balotelli and they don't go to Jose Enrique. You you, you give them to the the players who you can see how they how how they it trampolines them into being closer and closer to Liverpool's first team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think we've covered the majority of things on Merseyside. There's been uh, uh, games wider afield of which we're going to get stuck into. Not uh, more so. A couple of contentious uh, refereeing decisions, which I'm sure you two have got an opinion. On. If they'd have happened to your sides, you'd have been up in arms. However, we'll get to them uh, after the news. Make sure you're sticking around to City Talk. Uh, right now, Neil from the Anfield Rap will be joining me. Don't forget the Anfield Rap is 5.30 Friday nights. Get yourself stuck into it right here on City Talk. And Dave from the Blue Room, who's back on the radio tomorrow with all his pals from the Blue Room at 6 o'clock to talk all things Everton. Now, we've covered kind of Liverpool and Everton. Um, 
let's go further afield into the uh, into the Premier League. Uh, did you catch much of the football of the weekend, gents? Yeah, I did. I saw uh, I saw Bournemouth play Villa. Uh, watched actually ninety minutes of Bournemouth Villa, which is a bit odd, but <laughs> it happened to me. Uh, it was just there, and suddenly I was watching it. Um, Bournemouth are in trouble, big trouble. In what, what what are they lacking? Uh, Everything across the board, from defence right through to attack. They just they just want to play football, and they're going to get battered. Quite often, I think they're lucky to be coming to Anfield quite early on in the season because they're the sort of side that I could see was really taking to the cleaners. As soon as first half, they played some lovely stuff. They created chances. They should have gone in ahead. Possibly they were two goals better than Villa first half uh, in their own ground. Just come up, so on and so forth. Atmosphere is buzzing. He, of his eleven, ten of them had played last season in the Championship. Uh, he took the other one off on about fifty-five. Second half, Villa came out, upped the intensity, and Bournemouth couldn't live with them. And and Villa were poor, and Villa were on a good side. Yeah. And but they could not live with them. And I, it was, it was. Real sort of, you're gonna to have to do something different here. If you you're gonna, you know, that's a big that's a big game to lose. If you're Bournemouth and you want to stay up, and I know it's only one game, but I want to get rid of this. It's not it's not a sprint. It's a marathon thing. Mm. It's an 800 meter race. It's two laps of 400 meters as fast as you can run. That's what it is. Um, that's a six pointer. Yeah, against a team like Villa, who's traditionally been down there for years and years and years. You yeah. had the chances, but also they've just they, the second half in your grounds when you should they wiped the floor with you. Uh, they still had little forays forward second half Bournemouth. There was still possibly enough in it for them to think they could have got an equaliser, but they just lack quality. So you've you're not only a uh, you, you haven't got quality in both boxes. So yeah. you're, you're not you're not able to keep people out of your box. And if you haven't got quality when you get into their box, they're re- I'm, I'm already looking at Bournemouth going. There's 20th written all over this. Yeah. There's there's a creditable 20th written all over this. I mean, obviously now they're going to come to Anfield and Stingers next Monday because <laughs> I've gone down this route. But I'm, I, you know, Dave, you've you've seen it before. The, and I think for these sides, you think of Blackpool and Hull, yeah. who when they first came up, but what they did, Blackpool, yeah. what they did was Blackpool got some points on the board early mm. to have not beaten Villa in this game, as yeah. you say, and for it, to, for it to panned out the way in which it did, you're just thinking, lads, yeah. could be a long season. Blackpool were pioneers in, in many regards for that. Weren't they? They're probably one of the first in many years come up play and, football. and play football yeah and I think that took everybody by surprise whereas you look at the Bournemouth last season and they were terrific in the championship they were too good for the championship playing that sort of way but again it's that it's that sort of <clears throat> that that sort of you know the gap between the Premier League it's it's a it's a huge gap between the Premier League and the Championship if you're going to play that style it's going to be on a totally different level isn't you it made, you made that point but Blackpool went down Burnley came up they play football they went down yeah the teams that are stairs stick around are the teams like your Tony Pulis ones, stocks well this is what I was going to say I, it, it did surprise me that a manager who looks as good as Eddie Howe was so naive to to try I and sort of I think what he's still that straight away. I thought you'd, you'd want a little bit more structure, a little bit th- more rigid. I think what he's thinking, he's clearly thinking to himself, you know, I, I want to trust the football, trust the players, keep mm. playing and it'll come. And, and he, he, you know, he may well get proven to be correct on that, but I just, I, I would be concerned. You've got to you've got to get your three points at home to Villa. If you're Bournemouth, you know, where, where are our ten wins coming from? The bo- who's going to be bottom five? Mm. Yeah. Not including us, right? Aston Villa's probably in there, Sunderland are probably in there, so on and so forth. To not, to be on top and not be able to convert it, I, I think you can. In the, this is where you know Sunderland. They've, they've bought a fair few players. Uh, Bournemouth, sorry, bought a fair few players. But I was watching it thinking, honestly, just go and buy a centre forward. Yeah, you can go and get some. You know, Jermaine Defoe mm. would look better playing for Bournemouth, and he just scores a good goal for Sunderland this mm. weekend. But he would look both better playing for Bournemouth possibly than he does playing for Sunderland. Go and get someone like that, and yet it might knock your wage structure a little bit, and it might cause a bit of murder in the squad. Go and get a number nine because if you've got a number nine, you've at least got something mm. you can play all the pretty stuff. The lads up front for them, you know, Callum Wilson was it? Yeah, he's got lo- you know lovely stride on him. Gets his legs going. Don't miss chances. Mm. Dan Gosling misses a goal, for, uh, uh, misses from eight yards. You've got to have quality. You've got to have quality in the opposition penalty area. And if you haven't, then playing at this level, they're going to they're going to get mm. found out. Did, Did Tyrone Mings play? 
and don't think so, but I could no. be wrong. Because he's their record signing. I was, I was no, he, he, he only he played one of one of the signings this summer, and he's not a uh, and and, and he, he took him off on fifty-five. Did he? Yeah. I would have been interested to see him play because, uh, funnily enough, coming off on a bit of tangent, I, I met him when he was uh, he did a coaching thing at oh, St yeah, George's you, Park. You celebrity mates. Yeah, on. yeah. <laughs> he did. Uh, I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take it a bit higher. It was with Michael Johnson, the Olympic four hundred meter goal. Oh, man, you're really going for it. Uh, he was he was <laughs> holding uh, a coaching camp at uh, St George's. Park and Tyrone Mings was there, and he, he was talking to bits of media. I did an interview in person. He just, you know, overheard a few things, and uh, everyone was saying how good much of a talent he was. I was just interested to see how he, how he might have got on the first game. Of the, he in might the get. I, I think. I think Howe's gonna. I think. I, I do wonder Definitely whether or not. As well. Yeah, I do wonder whether or not Eddie Howe's. You know, he's, he, he could be playing a smart game, and that what he's done is he's saying to the, the lads who got him up going to get a chance but if after five games you know we're, we're sitting here on three points then yeah. you could all just get bombed out and then you know and then I can begin to make change of the base the fact that you've got to accept it you were given a chance you weren't able to take it and we found ourselves under pressure mm-hmm. and you know you've got I think it's I think it's really difficult to be a manager coming up and I wonder what assurances Howe's got because it was quite clear last season that Sean Dyke had assurances yeah. that you know it, there's, there's, there's no circumstance here within reason wherein you, you don't finish the season as Burnley manager and I wonder if Howe's maybe gone it might, might be in a similar the boat here, where you, you know they're almost yeah. planning to the planning to go back down to then come back up, and, mm. and then that that's the one where it is. How do we stick on here? But it's uh, as a, I, I would be worried, uh, and certainly when you look at the way in which you know obviously Watford started there, um, and the fact that Norwich has still got this nucleus with a fair few Premier League players, although they, they and they were fundamentally unfortunate with the with the goal disallowed at two one. Well, where are you at with that? I mean, did you catch it? I mean, you were we were just talking about that just in the news there regarding the uh, the, the decision that obviously ruled out Norwich's equaliser, so yeah. to speak. Personally, I think it was absolutely ridiculous, but on games like that, and in uh, the way that uh, that can maybe affect the knock-on effect of games coming a little bit further down the line, huge decision, even though it's only the, the first game of the season for yeah, the it's, for it's, the Norwich goal to be ruled huge, out. It's huge because they've, got, they've gone 2-0 down and they've got themselves back into the football match there and, and 2-2 and then you don't, you don't know what happens and it's the first game of the season and you can build some momentum off it. Um, but And that's a big call because that guy, that's his first Premier League game, that referee. Yeah. So to, so to make that decision, it's kind of, for me, it stinks of a little bit of, I'm trying to, I'm making a decision. Yeah, I'm making a decision on something well, when the, the decision's not necessarily even there. That's the celebrity of referees nowadays, isn't it? We, we see it all too often, don't we? Where they, they feel as if they've got to make an impact, they've got to make a statement when, you know, if we don't know the name, then they've had a good game, do you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And the funny thing was, I, I, I talked to the uh, social media last night saying how good the referee was in general, because normally there's an absolute clangor on the first weekend, and I hadn't seen the Norwich game, <laughs> and uh, obviously someone's had a, an absolute nightmare there, but I thought referee didn't think uh, Andy Taylor did anything wrong in uh, Liverpool game. He gave a, a silly yellow card, I think it was to Milner, um, and I think he gave one to Ibe as well, didn't he? Mm. A, a silly yellow cards, but in general, the, the standard refereeing, I mean, if you, if you go, if you, if you judge it on the fact you, know, you don't know a referee's name, yeah. then you've done a good job, do you Ex- know what I mean? Well, in, in total contrary to that, because that was one of the big decisions of the weekend, the second big mm. decision um, was probably from, what, in my opinion, I mean, you might have different opinions if they've done bad things against your side, uh, but um, in, a, in a young English referee in Michael Oliver made a fantastic mm. decision at Stamford Bridge. Um, I personally thought he got the penalty decision Right, and as soon as it happened, I went. He's got to go off, and he made that. He made that call. He was big enough to make that call at Stamford Bridge. Am I right in thinking that that used to be it was one or the other when, when that happened? If you're denying a goal scoring opportunity and it's in the box, because I'm sure Arsenal had this issue when he uh, sorry Tottenham had this issue when he played Arsenal one year. Gareth Bale rounded the keeper. 
he could have got up, could have scored. The ref pulled it back for a penalty, but didn't take it. Didn't send the goalkeeper off. And people, a lot of people at the time, were saying, "Well, that'd be like a double punishment for, for just no, one incident." I think incident. people have said it, but I think that it's always yeah. been that you've got to go. I think you've got to go. Yeah, it was a terrific decision, and it was a brave decision as well. You do not see that happen generally. At those sorts of yeah, games, absolutely. You know yeah. what I mean, and I thought he had a great game anyway. I really did. Uh, well, in that build-up, there was a, there was a contentious uh, decision for a free kick, which mm. he thought, no, absolutely, we play on. Then there was the offside situation. Trusted yeah. his his guy, he ran through, and then obviously to make the decision of one right on the line, we know that that's a penalty. Send him off, and then in the aftermath of that, to go to the Chelsea captain and book him as well for giving the line, linesman a lot of jib. I thought, fair play, lad, because he's only a young fella, isn't he, Michael? Oliver? Youngest, he's only a young, young chap. Yeah, he was the youngest. I think he was only 26 when he started off in the, in the Premier League. Been around for a few years. I think yeah. that game, though, was interesting for how good Swansea are. Hmm. I think Swansea are the... I think Rory Smith, I think, tweeted it, and I, I like the line, which is they've actually now got a lovely balance in terms of they've got lots of players no one wants who happen to be really good. You don't see, you don't <laughs> Wayne see, Routledge yeah. is that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what, no, 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 none of these lads are fashionable. Now that Remy's gone, none of these lads are fashionable enough where you can see them getting Bony. the move. But you, sorry, uh, Boney, sorry. Uh, nah, you can't see how they don't end up coming ninth. Seventh, eighth, ninth. Someone's going to come yeah, seventh, yeah, yeah. eighth, ninth. They'll play some games really, really well. They'll be a threat everywhere they go. They'll play good football, but no one's going to try and buy any of the players. This is the exact concern I have about sides around Everton because they're one of them: Swansea, West Ham, Stoke. Uh, Stoke are the ones that got beat at the weekend, but by no means with the poor. No. against Liverpool they just lacked the cutting edge and probably should have scored you, you look at West Ham <laughs> look really really good against Arsenal and you look at Swansea probably should have won against Chelsea and you, you look at the players they've got like you say Neil you could probably throw a blanket over them and, and say you know which ones you want and you get the same result when you pick them out of a bag but you look at Gomis now I, I think it's a big season for him because he's yeah. always in Boney's shadow there was always talks of him leaving and I think he's a really good striker, and he should have scored a couple before he yeah, put he his should. penalty away. Well, he, he was silly offside as well in, in, yeah. in a situation where he didn't need to be offside. Yeah, and when he got put through clean on goal, he yeah. cuts back inside. He could have just let a shot go and put it away. Um, I, I do like the look of Swansea. Ayew as well for debut. Oh. Yeah. Looked like he'd be in the Premier League. How for calm years. was he for the, for the goal that he took? That drag back is one of the oh. ones of the weekend because it made John Terry look even more silly <laughs> when he was crying to uh, Michael Oliver che- when Courtois got sent off. Chelsea got a little problem, I think, with Terry in that. Um, <clears throat> He could he could still have the season he had last season, but he could his legs could fall off. Yeah, centre half's legs go overnight. Mm. As you know, I've seen. You, you, I, oh I, yeah, distant distant <coughs> when, when he was Everton. Distant Stefan Honcho. Yeah, you know Stefan Honcho in three games went from being Liverpool starting centre half to nowhere, yeah. and it was crazy to see Sol Campbell centre yeah. half's legs can just go overnight, and suddenly people can begin to get it. Get, what get happened it. to Rio Ferdinand as well, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, people can suddenly start to get at you, and and you can you, you can have no idea where it comes from, and but suddenly you're vulnerable, and. If that happens, it's going to be very, very difficult emotionally for Chelsea. It won't be entirely unlike what happened with Gerard for Liverpool last season. Mm. If Teddy begins to go, he's difficult for, for for Mourinho, who's very loyal to his players. To be fair to Mourinho, he's very you know he has his faithful servants, and it's quite difficult for them to know what to do. I thought watching at times last season a player who's possibly be my favourite Premier League player who doesn't play for Liverpool over the last five years. I thought Ivanovic began oh. to look a little rusty, and then that happens to him on Saturday. Jefferson Montero think, had him on toast, didn't he? Mm. You're beginning to think that if you're, you know, if you had Chelsea next weekend. If you had Chelsea coming to your place next weekend, you'd be all about saying, let's get him to Which Man City well, do. Man City, City have them next weekend, yeah. And how interesting is it about this three-year cycle thing? We, we used to go on about, Neil, quite a lot, didn't we, about how teams have three-year cycles. City, when they won the league, and then it was like the Curtains from Mancini a year later, um, and this would be Mourinho 
Mourinho's third season, wouldn't it? And, and but he still got the remnants of this old side that that won the league in, under Ancel- Ancelotti. And you know, you've got the likes of Ivanovic wrong side of thirty. Terry, you would think it would be his last season. Um, it obviously intensifies the pressure on them to go and get John Stones as well from an Everton point of view. But you you, you do look at that side and you think. There's, there is an emotional attachment yeah. to letting players like that go. There was one with Lampard. Yeah, uh, he turned into a hay figure when he went to Man City, didn't he? John Terry, this will be his last club. His, his last club at Chelsea. So when when he does eventually decide to call it a day, it's almost like I heard you talking about the cricket earlier, Adam, with uh, Michael, Michael Clark, Clark, yeah, and Ricky Ponton before, and maybe going on too long and not knowing when to quit. He's earned that right, much in the way Stephen Gerrard has. He's earned that right as a Chelsea legend. To sort of say, well, I'm the one going to make that decision. Even Mourinho, as you know, as high esteem as everybody holds him, would struggle to be the one who says to John Terry, "You're not playing anymore." Yeah, so yeah. I think he holds that sort of power. I remember just, reading something, and on, it could be to the detriment, like you say, Neil. Well, I remember reading something on. Um, I think it might have even been Sir Alex Ferguson's book when he's talking about Cantona, and he said Cantona's legs are gone, and he was just so lucky that Cantona made the decision at 31 years of age. I'm calling it a day now, yeah, because he was going to be in that. Coming up to that season, thinking mm. I'm not going to play this kid all the time, and we're talking about a lad like Eric Cantona. And I, I, I think it's the everyone's talking like Chelsea. This league is going to be straightforward for Chelsea. It's mm. not just this two-two at the weekend. You've got these question marks knocking around. So they've now, you know, and then you've got Costa up front with his injury. Yeah, that's going on as he's well. Got this. A, he's got a really good new haircut, though. By the way, <laughs> he has. <got> a, <laughs> he looks sharp. He looks very sharp. at the end of the season, right? <laughs> he looks very sharp. I thought, I thought that for Chelsea. I thought Oscar was impressive, um, and I think it's a big you, season. You, you, you marked him, Neil, didn't you? Yeah, I think it's a big, big season yeah. for Oscar. I think he's a, he's such a talent, and I think I think this is the season he's got to kick on. It's happened before. Uh, players playing with Mourinho, it often takes them a couple of years to to clock it and to to take a step forward, and it could well be the, his, his turn for that. But Chelsea. It's still a thin squad. They're going to want to compete on on, on three fronts yep. uh, right the way through the season. And I think that this it's it, the idea. I think that Chelsea swan the way to eighty-seven points and an inevitable title. I don't think it's quite got the legs that a lot of people think it has. No, I think absolutely. It's going, be, it's going to be a long season for Chelsea, and certainly because more than anything in the world, Mourinho wants a Champions League. I don't think he can win, and so he's going to end up fixating on this. I think across the, across the entirety of the season, mm-hmm. it'd be nice to see from a Liverpool point of view. It'd be nice to see Chelsea and possibly. Uh, United get slightly tough uh, Champions League groups. It'd be nice to see that. I think yeah, that absolutely. could that would help us. Uh, and I thought I, I, there was there was the other thing of, of the weekend's football as well, where everyone was quite you know quite upbeat about. Sorry, was quite certain that United hadn't impressed. I was impressed with United. Um, I thought that. They were the poorer side. They got the goal, and then they were, it was never in doubt. The extent yeah. to which it was never, in, and that's partially because Spurs are endlessly, eternally Tottenham Hotspur and can never not be. But I just thought that United. I thought they got themselves into a position in the game where they were ahead, and I thought Carrick was excellent up until the point at which he was taken off. I thought he was excellent, obviously taken off to save his legs. Um, but I just thought you never re- until the last final flurry, last five minutes, where maybe Spurs could have got something from it. It was just never in doubt, mm-hmm. and I think that that's that's indicative. Of, of the, the sheer pragmatism of Van Gaal uh, that he's very very good at closing a game out very very smart it's whether or not there's quite enough quality amongst United um, the, 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 the crying out for two, two more very very good players but I thought they were impressive United yeah. Did you uh, either of you catch any of the uh, fantastic things on Twitter yesterday regarding uh, the Arsenal TV reaction uh, Claude. to, <laughs> to uh, yeah. obviously Arsenal's uh, disappointment against West Ham some yeah. sensational over the over the top reactions from the yeah. Arsenal fans I'm, I'm still chuckling at that one they had last season with the guy talks like he's he's singing a lyric out of Parklight. Did you see that one? <laughs> yeah, I've seen a few Absolutely of them, yeah. brilliant. Uh, and that that old guy Claude, he's really he's top notch. To the point where he just 
breaks down much the same Shut as I up. probably will yeah he just goes off his head on and goes off on one it is hilarious well, when you see reactions, idiot is just sort of taking yeah, yeah. over isn't it when you see reactions like that from obviously a club that are going to do quite well this season finishing that top yeah. four and maybe push on for some uh, trophies alright they got beat first game at home to a side that were well organised and did a job on them um, but you must look at that and go I would absolutely give whatever to be in your situation with the the, the, the money that you've got there yeah. the quality that you've got in there it's, it's funny I'll, I'll tell you about a, a quote Bill Kenwright came out with in I think it was 2000 when, when he was questioned over Everton's investment and lack of and uh, he said I see Everton as the Arsenal of the North since then, Arsenal have won three <laughs> Premier League titles, upteen FA Cups. It's one of the things that's sort of labelled Adam by a lot of Blues at the moment and uh, very much got in the opposite direction, hasn't it? Yeah, you, you look at that and you think, you know, what's he moaning about there? He's saying Giroud's not fit and uh, crying because he, he can't get Benzema over the line. And I think Arsenal have got a fantastic squad and I think they have for a few years. And again, going back to sort of clubs who, who, who have people who are long-standing at the club, them with Wenger. Um, that's another difficult one when you sort of let go because I think he's past the re- he's in the realm of where he can't be sacked. Uh, so that obviously puts the decision in his hands. Uh, I think he's too stubborn of a manager to, to let go of it mm. if he thinks he can still do something there. But when you look at the squad Arsenal have got, I, I, I think it's up there with Chelsea's probably surpassed yeah, without Chelsea's. A doubt. You look at I'd, I'd tipped them to win it like, the, the other day. I took, the talent they've got is just unbelievable, and and it's been that way for a couple of years, and yet. They, they consistently underperform. I don't, I, I, I'm not sure if they underperform or not. I, Arsenal are set up to be. It's a wealth of talent that Neil. But, but they're, set, they're set up to be the bottom ten. So last season, from I think from the sixty points yeah, you get off the bottom yeah. ten, I think they took fifty two or fifty five, which is phenomenal. But there's there's something in this where. They've just lost their home to West Ham, and I I, I understand why. Well, I, to be, I think I said before about it being an eight hundred meter race. You've now put Chelsea are the same now. I, yeah. you, you can directly correlate. You know when you look at the stats of a league table at the end of the season, there's certain things you can directly correlate. And one of those things, for instance, is the side that wins the most home games wins the league, and that almost certainly happens most seasons. The side that wins the most, and then the side that comes second, the side that comes third. Yeah, yeah. It tends to break down. Well, now Chelsea have put themselves. I mean, how many can you afford not to win at home across the course of a season? Because mm-hmm. they're already they're already on one. And Arsenal are in this point now, where Arsenal built what they do in terms of the fact that they take this fifty-five points from the bottom sixty, bottom ten. Sorry, well, West Ham could could be in the bottom ten, and they've now failed to beat them in this home game. And this is why I think there is, and I think supporters are, without whether articulating it in this context or not, are acutely aware now that you've got to be breaking eighty points. That's dead hard. There's only hundred and fourteen of them available. Yeah, you know. So if you've dropped two or you've dropped two or three on the first weekend of the, if you're going to win the league. League, it's you probably need to be getting to 80, 84 points. You've only got twelve games leeway. So you, you've, got, you've got thirty points to play with, and if you've already thrown three or two away in that first weekend, you've got to want to break eighty-four points. You're putting yourself under. There's a point at which the, the, this 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 stress begins to sort mm. of turn if you do it early, and it is there. That's why, for instance, yeah. it is big. That's that United turn Spurs over mm-hmm. because you know they're going to have to have a good record against the top six sides. United, it's a big home victory. It matters. It's the sort of home victory that, for instance, if United get it in October, everyone's saying, "I tell you what." United looked ominous against Spurs because the first weekend of the season everyone's saying well do they create enough and so on and so yeah, forth yeah, yeah. Liverpool getting this win at Stoke you know if Liverpool win mm. I would be confident if Liverpool win 12 away games Liverpool will will almost certainly come top four yeah. if they win twelve away games. Say they've got one in the bag. Yeah, and you know it's it's it, it, this is the speed with which this moves. Well, it's the, it's the two points a game rule, Neil. You, you used to say to me, you on top four, you get two points a game, uh, and Everton come very close to that in Martinez's first season. But what I started then doing was having a pass score. Say you've got to get seventy to get in the uh, in the Champions League. 
say for instance we've gone and drawn against Watford now we're two points down on where we should be I think because I'd, I'd go I'd treat it on a game by game basis on who you're playing who you'd expect it to beat you'll get games obviously which are the bonus ones for instance Man City when we got them at home next week I'm not expecting us to get anything more than a point if we don't get three then we're two points up do you know what I mean and yeah, I score yeah. it like that and there far, far too many occasions obviously last season where I was sitting there thinking you know w- what's going on here we're about 10-12 points down and where we need to be ultimately finish 25 points worse off than we were the season before so these games do matter it's very easy to pay, to make the first game of the season pale into insignificance from an Everton perspective if you look at the next nine that we've got then it's extremely difficult now to go and claw those two points back that's why it was such a big game at the weekend and we blew it it's massive all this, and as I say, I think you can you can sort of and rightly so because sides take time to develop and sides take sides take time to click. But you asked me before about, for instance, why has he gone with Lallana and Ibe, and it's because he's played. It's because he's had them all pre-season. He's conscious of the fact that he's you know that these four games for Liverpool, you've got to almost and Ferguson was a master at it. You've got to almost periodise yourself through a season. These four games for Liverpool almost just sort of stand alone, like almost like group games and something else. How many points can you take? Having beaten Stoke, and this is why it was such a wonderful thing to beat Stoke. Having beaten Stoke. Now you'd back Liverpool to end up with nine from twelve. It's yeah. good that you're beating Stoke with uh, without Shakiri because uh, obviously he was in the stands last night and obviously going through his medical today. I don't know where that was at. I think, but by the time I came on the radio, he hadn't signed his contract. Uh, he certainly hasn't signed one for Everton and all that. But, uh, <laughs> but th- that's another interesting. That's five Champions League uh, winners uh, at Stoke this season. I know that we're pressed for time here, boys, because obviously the legends are coming up at six thirty. The boys are ready to uh, rock and roll with the show with Steve Hodgson. Just before I, I let you both go, it's uh, West Brom, Man City tonight. Where do you see it going? Oh, Man City. All day long? All day long. Both teams to score, Man City to win. By uh, more than one goal? 3-1, I'll say. By two goals, yeah. If they don't win, massive, massive stuff yeah. already. I mean, if they don't win, it's almost perfect for Liverpool. It's crazy. Mm. You know what I mean? I'll be, I'll be, I might even go back out. Shouldn't. <laughs> Shots are being thrown already. Are you, are you interested in uh, Sterling... Tonight, or are you just not? No, no, I won't, I won't watch the game. I just I'll let him get on, do his own thing. It's fair enough. I mean, I'm, I, you know, he's he's a good player. He'll play well this season, but obviously, I, I hope everybody who plays for Manchester City, I hope all their legs fall off. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, ideally, all of them, all, all 22 legs left on the West Brom pitch. I'm exactly the same about the three sides that are going to finish below Everton. <laughs> and on that note, we wrap it up. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Obviously, on Friday, make sure you uh, join in Neil and the Anfield Rat Boys once again from 5.30, just before Friday's edition of the Legends. And then, obviously, tomorrow, Dave will be back. Are you going to be optimistic tomorrow, Dave? Is it going to be an optimistic show? Can we anticipate uh, not, that? Not for me, personally. I, I think I set the tone tonight, but, you know, the, the other lads in the studio, as you heard last week, are, they'll be buzzing. They'll be buzzing. They're more than capable of putting a smile on your face. You know? They've got a lot of heavy lifting there haven't they really let's be honest yeah. well they're carrying me so yeah <laughs> so, sorry Dave <laughs> that's the blue I didn't room. mean in a literal sense by the way <laughs> that's the blue room from 6 o'clock tomorrow night right here on City Talk make sure you stick around for it coming up next it is the legends have a great night